This episode of GT Radio is brought to you by Audible and Geek Therapy members on Patreon. Welcome to GT Radio, the original Geek Therapy podcast on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. My name is Jose Cardona with Lauren Keller, Lara Taylor, and Ali Matu. Guys, how are you all doing with that Steven Universe withdrawal? I'm not really withdrawing because there's a new episode coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, In not, a month. I'm not withdrawing because really? there's so much other things I have time to watch now. And, and I know <laughs> that there's something coming soon. I'm mm-hmm. like a Steven Universe camel and I, I can last through many long deserts now. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of have to if you're a fan yeah. of the, <laughs> yep. the Steve you. Yep. Eventually you get conditioned and that's that's what happened. That's what right. happens. Yep. Right. They got me. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, guys. So I want to start this week with a brand new segment, which I, I, I am free to change the name of the segment at any time, just like Lauren <laughs> is free to change uh, the play zone We're going to confuse the hell out of everybody all the time. It'll be great. It's okay. Maybe nice. Maybe I'll think it's a new segment every week. I don't know why why I love segments now, but <laughs> welcome to Pop Up Story Time. Pop Up Story Time. Does Ali get to make a little like jingle for every one of our? <laughs> he can. <laughs> True story on his on a podcast that he used to host a, a a long time ago. I was a guest and he asked me to do a jingle, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was the McDonald's um, <laughs> "I'm Loving It" thing. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. I felt I so like, creative, uh, and I was like, "Whoa, nope, that's a that's a thing." I was like, "Uh, yeah, that's yeah. not something you made on your own, Husue." I know, but I didn't. It, it didn't feel like that at the moment. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Oh, um, man. So uh, on our Slack, we talk about our Slack all the time. We we were talking throughout the week, and uh, a few of us had these kind of stories that I thought were pretty good, and you know, like let's just take a moment to share them. Like sometimes things just don't fit in the in the general conversation of, of what we're talking about. So. Just these quick stories that uh, that happened to us um, recently. Uh, Lara, sh- sh- share yours with us. So this is actually a really cool story and, and a, a nice pick-me-up because I've had a really crappy week. So a former client of mine, uh, I ran into him and he said to me that he wants to go into video game design. I don't know how serious is it he is about it, but it's cool. I mean, his ideas about what he wants to do change all the time. He's a kid. It's a, that, that's okay. But he wants to go into video game design, he says, and he wants to make a game called Lara's World. And I was like, you want to make a game about me? And he said, yeah, it would be like Grand Theft Auto, like, because he doesn't know, like, terms like open world design or anything like that. He's like, Grand Theft Auto, but it's your life. And every Tuesday... You come to the group home and you help me. Oh, and I and I I, I started like oh, tearing up. I was like, "This is so sweet." And there were other things like he's like, "You got to go to uh, San Francisco Giants games, and you gotta you go to your house and you play video games, <laughs> and like because I have a, a stack of books on on my desk." He's like, "And you got to read comics and like, but yeah, you got to come to the group home every Tuesday and help me." And I was like, "That is the sweetest thing." Oh. <laughs> I'd play that game. Yeah. If it comes to Switch. And then he <laughs> asked everyone in the Yeah, if it comes to Switch. He he asked everyone in the office, Would you play the, would you play my game? And like my coworkers are all like, Yeah, I would play that game. They wouldn't play the game. They don't play video games. But but it was cute. It was cute. Yeah, no, I love stories like that. Um like sometimes you get them from clients, ex clients, students, things like that. Like they just uh, take you by surprise. Um Ali, what 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 did you sh- tell us this week? 
one of my clients um, is a huge Steven Universe fan and has been very much anxiously waiting for me to finish Steven Universe so we can talk about it. And we always reserve the last five minutes of Steven Universe, or not of Steven Universe. We reserve the last five minutes of our... So the second half of every episode is therapy. Exactly. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> They're very short sessions. Um, we always reserve the last five minutes of our therapy session to talk about fun stuff. And a lot of the times it's um, my my client sharing something that they love to me and kind of talking about why they like it. And they many years ago, they shared Steven Universe and they've um, talked about it, but I never saw it until now. And so we were we spent the last five minutes of our session this week talking about uh, our theories about what's happening with the diamonds and all of that kind of stuff. And it was just um, just a ton of fun. And they they shared um, some fan their uh, favorite fan art for Steven Universe universe um it was just um it, it was so cool it was so cool to to talk about it yeah in the the past i've always told people that when like your clients are really into something like you can you can use that in sessions if you're really into something you can use that in sessions but when you're both into something like something really magic special, happens magic yeah. happens that's the yeah. word i was thinking it's magic yeah. oh yeah. my gosh yeah oh yes yeah, I, th- I thought that was cool. Also, like you know, therapists are people too. You know, I like to I like to make sure that we we say that every now and then. I I'm I'm okay with clients knowing uh, what I'm into, and mm-hmm. I think you know that way we can we can have uh, special moments like those. I also think for a lot of people who might struggle with social skills and social cues and learning how to interact with people, um, it's such a great opportunity to model how to have those interactions and to role play those interactions and to help people to be able to talk about and share the things that they love so deeply. Yeah. And I think it's very common to have like that reward time at the end um, with kids, but I've, I've had those with adults too. It's like at the uh, end, yeah, it's like, this, it's this like, was with an adult. So. Yeah. It's like, so we've got five <laughs> minutes left. Do you, what, what do you want to do? And it's like, can I talk to you about that new movie that came out? Yes, you can. Yeah. Um, so just don't spoil it for me, which is a major occupational ha- hazard of being a therapist. You've got a mark spoiler free zone always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Put right, that right, in right. that uh, informed consent. <laughs> 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 don't spoil yeah, the yeah. newest movie for me. Uh, so my story is that uh, a couple of weeks, no, not a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago, my niece comes home from school. I went to pick her up at the bus stop and she gets off the bus and she's kind of sad. And I went to get her some ice cream. So we sat down. She's having ice cream. And uh, she's got this book from the library. I'm like, oh, that's a cool book. It's about the unit. It's about the solar system. And she's all excited about it. She's like, yeah, I got it from the library. It's the one that I chose. I really like it. But deal on the bus today, I wanted to share solar system facts with the other kids on the bus. And nobody wanted to. So I was crying. Oh, Oh, my gosh. The story's so sad. I know it kind of it kind of it kind of broke me. She told me that. So then I had a conversation with her about that. You know, like. You're going to like some things and sometimes other people aren't going to like them. And don't worry, you'll find people who do and you can share that stuff with them and and it'll be and it'll be OK. You, like not ev- not not everybody's going to like the stuff that you like. And um, and so she shared a whole bunch of solar system facts with me and we argued about Pluto for, for a good like 15 minutes. Whether it's it was, a planet or not. Yeah, because, you know. Depends what book you're looking at, what it says. What, what side are you on of that argument, Josue? Um, I I was taught in school that it was a planet, so it's on my list of planets. It's it's in the Think Geek has a set of like 
planetary glasses that we have over our entertainment center, and they included Pluto. So it's a planet. It may be smaller. It's a dwarf planet, you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a dwarf planet, which I think makes it a little bit of both. A planet and a non-planet. It's its own thing. It's it's like the unique <laughs> little planet kind of hanging out, doing its like unique orbit that's not in line with any of the other planets. It's kind of doing its own thing. You know, we took this cute story and went in a completely different direction with it. Right. This way, if your niece wants to talk about planetary stuff, you can always call me and Nina. I, I will let her know. She's very excited. We argued about the pronunciation of one of Pluto's moons. Oh, it's got a moon. It's got to be a planet. So the truth is, neither of us know how to pronounce it because the book doesn't say it out loud. And we didn't ask Alexa. You need to. Yo, you should have done that. (laughs) Or, you know, find an audio book about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or look on YouTube how to pronounce blah, blah, blah. I, I, I do that a lot. Kids, kids at heart. If 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 your friends don't like uh, the stuff that you like, it's okay. You Mm -hmm. can. There's people out there. That's what the Internet is for. Find people who like what you like. It's okay. Find your peeps. Find your tribe. Okay, that was that was our story time. Just little things that I had no idea where else to put, but I wanted to, uh, to bring up. Pop-up story time. Now let's go into media matters. Media matters. I like this. I, I can I can work <laughs> with this. <laughs> that was more of an announcement than it was a jingle. It's okay. I can do stuff with your voice <laughs> that'll, that'll make it uh, better. <laughs> I can do some editing. We'll, we'll see what I, what I can do. Media Matters. Okay. All right. So uh, anybody bring anything for Media Matters this week? Laura, you got something? For sure I got something. All right. What you got? I've had this one for a while because we haven't done Media Matters for a while because we, I mean, Steven Universe episode was all Media Matters all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So was Black Panther. <laughs> so was Black Panther. Um so media I, has continued to matter since we did the media matters. It always last. matters. Yeah. It always yeah. matters. Um so I recently read a graphic novel called The Prince and the Dressmaker um by Jen Wang. It is amazing. Um I had the chance to see a talk she gave about her work. The best way to describe it is RuPaul's Drag Race meets Disney. And I think that's an amazing combination. Disney's uh, RuPaul's Drag Race? Whoa. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it is, I don't want to say it's all ages, but I think it's more like middle grade and, and young adult, but it's for everybody. Um, a story about a prince who likes to dress in drag, has this persona to help manage anxiety about being a prince and eventually having to be a king and... He hires a seamstress to make his dresses and all kinds of wackiness ensues as it does in things that are like Disney. And it was a really beautiful representation of not necessarily the gay community, but the drag community and how you can dress in drag and be a man who dresses in drag and still like women. And I thought it was really cool. It was so sweet. And the artwork is beautiful. Is it new? Is it did it recently? Yeah, it come out? just came out uh like two weeks ago. Yeah. Awesome. It's it's put out by I think first second is the, the publisher. I think on the Disney Channel or uh one of the one of their shows, um it ha- is gonna have their first LGBT character. Like a young person like in middle school or high school on a Disney show who's gay. 
you know, it's like having these kids in in conversation. Like you said, it's like it feels like a Disney story, mm-hmm. right? Um, so having having representation like this in different shows is a big deal. Like I remember when when Glee had its first trans character. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. It's like well, I, I've never seen a trans character on a, a a high school student, you know, on TV. It's good. Got to move into new areas. We've talked in the past about imprints in, in comic books that are LGBT uh, focused, right? Those are the stories that they tell. Mm-hmm. But is this is this coming from an imprint like that, or is it? A... No, it's from a, a publisher that has put out a lot of other really good books, and my mind is blanking. Uh, they did um, Gene Yang's. Um, American born Chinese. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of any others, but they're so good. I've read a bunch of them and I don't want to misspeak and attribute another book to them. Yeah. But it's not a publisher that's known for, you know, focusing on LGBT books. No, yeah, but they will, but they'll tackle different issues. I think it's more about, um, I mean, it's original creator owned work. And so it's whatever the creator brings to the table, they'll put it out um, if they think it's a good match. Mm. Um, So I think, you know, it's nice to see books like that coming out from publishers that are not just mainly focused on LGBT content. And um, I do, I mean, there's a place for those publishers as well. I think it's just great that there's more out there. Laura, how'd you find out about it? Jen Wang's exhibit is currently at the Cartoon Art Museum. Oh, cool. Um, she's their emerging artist uh, for the next few months um, and got to see a talk there. Um, and then Josue and I have talked about the uh, graphic novel book club at Comics Experience in San Francisco, and she's also their book for the month. So... Yeah, that's so I, got, cool. I got to kind of double dip. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite things about talking to you all is just discovering new content and new media. It's it's so overwhelming how much stuff is out there. To, so just like local bookstores or friends or uh, exhibits like this, it's like so cool to, to discover other artists and upcoming voices and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I keep tabs on on that book club for uh, Lara's comic shop because it is so good. It is so good. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> books that come through there are so good um, because it's a curated book club, and all the staff vote um, each month, and then they have the opportunity. They bring in the creators to have a Q and A, and then they broadcast that on the internet too, for so anyone can join the book club. Ali, do you have something for this week? I just I'm gonna put another plug. Um, uh, many weeks ago, Lauren mentioned Queer Eye, and so my wife and I um, dove into that this past weekend, and we've been watching about an episode a week. We're almost done with the first season, um, and for anyone who's listening to this podcast who hasn't seen it yet, uh, please check out Queer Eye on Netflix. Uh, I think this is exactly what Lauren said, but every episode I am in tears. Um, <laughs> yep. And they're, they're tears <laughs> of just um, being overwhelmed by these amazing moments of people discovering their ont- authentic self. And it's just so healing. The The other thing I want to mention about the show is it you're seeing different sides of America come together in an episode that you don't really see. You see a lot of division between 
different representations in in America on on the news and um, just just from geographic divisions and all of that and and these episodes bring together people it's um, it's amazing so I'll plug that again um, and I was debating wanting to talk about The Bachelor or not <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, why. Talk about it. Well, one of the things I'll say about The Bachelor, The Bachelor had a big finale this week, and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who's, what, I guess, spoilers for Bachelor, but... Um, no, don't do that. You cannot. I don't think I don't think that would be okay. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm <laughs> don't, not going to... Don't spoil, don't spoil The Bachelor. It just happened. It, just uh, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but um, what I will say is they did something that I think is really, really interesting. Um, they had about... A 30-minute segment that was unedited video footage of a key moment between two of the people on the show. And it's if, for anyone who's watching, you know exactly what I'm talking about from that moment in the show. But it hasn't really been done on, on TV where they have such a prolonged unedited scene and it they did a side by side of the two cameras that were watching these uh, or that were filming these two people and it was um it felt more like a documentary um and it was very emotionally raw and it made it um very real and at times um just difficult to watch you really felt for um these people in the show, but uh, I'm bringing it up on Media Matters because I remember, Josue, you mentioned in a previous episode about how um, reality TV can highlight some of these um, um, emotional moments between Mm -hmm. people, and this scene in The Bachelor did that in a way I've never seen on a reality TV show before. Um, So that was interesting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no no yeah yeah i think i think uh, i agree it, it matters because how often do you get to see something like that unedited you know yeah. especially if you maybe you don't have that much drama in your life or the drama in your life is very different and i i don't know the scene you're talking about but there could be there could be love there could be loss there could be all, all sorts of different things happening there and to see that and to see it again raw unedited uncut it's it's really good again and that argue that um point that i bring up is from uh stephen johnson's book uh everything bad is good for you and he has a whole chapter on reality tv and how um he makes a case for it like being able to improve your emotional intelligence yeah and uh, love love found and love lost is definitely summarizes that scene and for anyone who's ever been through um been through a breakup or is really thinking about someone else and thinking about what what if and what could have been will definitely uh, be able to identify with that scene. And if you haven't, as you're saying, Josue, that scene does help to sort of understand how difficult that, that can be. So I, I thought that was really interesting. I mentioned Disney shows before, right? If you've ever seen a lot of these shows, I feel like the kids are screaming. Like the kids aren't <laughs> real, right? They feel like live action SpongeBob episodes, right? Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, why Why are they acting this way? And of course, that's like to get the kids, right? To, to like understand more clearly and et cetera. Like there's reasons why you do that. But it just doesn't feel real. Even in reality TV, many times it doesn't feel real because you can edit it and you can take advantage of situations or, or manipulate situations. But uh, that sounds that sounds cool. I'm going to look it up. I haven't heard yeah, anything it about it. Haven't watched an episode of The Bachelor in like ten years. 
Sounds about right, right? <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched an episode of The Bachelor. I yeah. love, I used hotness. to love reality TV too. I don't know why I didn't. I'll watch the, a season of The Bachelor when at the end and he's trying to decide between two women, they decide to get together themselves without him. And that's how it ends. That's the season I want to watch. That's the season you watch. <laughs> I wonder how many times that's happened and then they didn't air the season because they were like, well, I don't know. I guess Bachelor that, gets that, no one. <laughs> yeah, that's not what we promised the, the audience. So. I, w- I will say in so much of The Bachelor, it really depends on who The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is. And, and last season, it was the first the first black person to be um, headlining the show. And it was the first black female who to be The Bachelorette. And race was definitely something that came up in discussions on that show, um, especially as it related to uh, when she was bringing um, the f- the top three people to meet her family. Um, so that was that was interesting to see play out and to see that on um, on a national TV show. I know it's kind of like we should have been here a long time ago. Um, and at the same time, it was still cool to finally see that happen. Cool. Lauren, do you have one? Sure. I I saw uh, I went and saw Annihilation and it was a really cool movie and I enjoyed it and I recommend people to go see it while it's still in theaters for however much longer, probably not very long. But um, it was a really cool, surreal sci-fi, uh, some some horror. There's some horror in there, sci-fi horror. Uh, but it was it was really neat and I I enjoyed it. I liked. I, I have recently read the um, the books that the the movie is based off of the first book, um, but it is a trilogy of books called the Southern the Southern Reach trilogy by James Jeff Jeff Vandermeer Jeff Vandermeer, um, and the books were really cool. I liked those books a lot. I recommend the books even more than the movie, but the movie was also very cool. As far as media matters, it is a story about. Um, in the movie, it is a team of all female scientists going into a, a creepy, unexplainable place through a, a shimmering wall. Um, but it's really cool to see a bunch of like powerful ladies dealing with, you know, you know, dealing dealing with scary stuff happening in a scary place. That's starring uh, Natalie Portman. Is that the film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, um, cool. Tessa Thompson. Oh, and cool. Gina Rodriguez. Oh, I should really check this and out. Some other people, but yeah, yeah, is uh, it was very cool, and um, they did some really neat visual effects to you know create creepy, un- unexplainable happenstance. Like I think one of the shots they do in the in the trailer is they come across this flowering vine, and it's got a whole bunch of different types of flowers growing on the same vine. And how like weird and unexplainable that is, and they're just mm-hmm. like, "What is happening? I don't. I, these flowers are beautiful, but I'm very uncomfortable." <laughs> yeah, it's good. This should not happen because science. <laughs> yep, yep. Annihilation sounds really cool. I really, I do want to watch it. Yeah, read read the book. That could be your new favorite book. Is it? So how do you, how <laughs> do you if feel? It, only if it's an audio book, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. How do you feel the book compares to the movie? Like, which um, one would you recommend? I think the the books are much better than the movie. 
but so I, have to, I, think, I have to read three I think books to get the no, story of the no, one movie. No, I think I think the first book by itself is still really cool. It's just I I was so hooked by the first book that I blew through the second and third in like a week after it. So okay, um, but you could absolutely just read the first book and not not finish the trilogy and still get a lot out of it. It's very creepy and um, it's written in such a way that. How do, how do I want to explain this? The first book, Annihilation, is written in like a journal format. You are reading, hmm. you are reading the narrator, um, the, uh, who her character is played by Natalie Portman in the movie, but but she is writing a journal of what has happened to her. So you're you're getting it from her perspective, but she's writing it after the the f- fact, like later on, and so she's not trustworthy she is not a reliable narrator and as as the story un unfurls fern like um the sentence and paragraph structure changes as well and so you get this like very much like this feeling of change is happening like from the inside and that is reflected in the uh in the book itself so thematically and and how it is written it's it's very it's it's good it's a fun read it's creepy i enjoy it i've always heard of the book described as unfilmable and now i understand why i thought it was about the things that were happening or they showed but now that makes a lot more sense yeah it's so so much yeah. of it is you're getting an in interior thought process of an unreliable narrator so it's kind of hard to show that stuff without it being like it, this is a movie that's just exposition and voiceover, and yeah. nobody really likes <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> but I thought they did a good job with the movie. It's um, the I'm forgetting his name, but uh, he also did Ex Machina. Um, but he yeah. he did the movie based. He had read the book once, and then he was like, "I'm going to do this movie, but I'm not going to read anymore or read the second or third book. I'm going to do it." very much based on like what I remember from reading it and so it's got this dreamlike quality which totally fits in with how like the book is so even though it's got some very different things from the book it still has a lot of the same like emotional impact and uh, surrealism okay I'm sold I'll check it out (laughs) and I'll take Laura's advice I will I think that's a good uh, audiobook so this is probably a good time to put an ad for audible (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, i'm excited about that annihilation audiobook now Uh, if you don't have an audible subscription go to geektherapy.com slash audible for a free trial you'll get one free audiobook it could be annihilation or something else and you'll get access to all of audible's exclusive audio content for one month don't be like my brother-in-law who told me this week that he signed up for audible and didn't use our link so go to geektherapy.com slash audible for your free trial today Okay, so my media, my media matters uh, pick for the week. The first one is so I'm watching Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones is back. Second season is out, and more than have you guys watched the first season? No. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, so pretty much what I figured you guys would answer, um, yep. <laughs> which was and, everything. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but Lauren was a no. Lauren Ali were yes. No, oh, I, uh, I saw it. Oh, you did see it. Oh, yeah. I'm the no? one who has. I'm the one. Oh, who you haven't seen it, seen it. Because, oh. because I ha- I can't. Oh, watch you're far things behind. Without right. yeah, yeah. my wife and yeah, yeah, yeah. marriage. Forgot. So okay, so so yeah. <laughs> you just blame yeah. your wife. No, yeah. it's it's true. 
It's true. Uh, yeah. Love so, and marriage. Because we don't have time to watch everything together. Yeah, it's hard. Anyway. Jessica Jones. <laughs> um, more than anything else uh, that Marvel has ever done, it deals kind of head on with mental health issues. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. And the ones that it's dealing with in the second season are, some of the themes are, are the same. Um, I'm only two episodes in. And... I just got to say, like, watch it. And I, I'd like to discuss some of those ideas with you guys. Um, one of the things that, that most jumped out at me uh, so far is that Jessica is trying so, so hard to for, to not think about and to not remember things from her past. And now things have kind of changed for her. And now she's trying to remember things that she's essentially blocked out her entire life and what that's like, uh, which, is, which is very interesting. And... And also there's this there's this thing that's come up at the beginning of the show. And one character literally says this line. He says, with great power comes great mental illness. What? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the idea is that these people have been experimented on. And that had some effects, you know? And it was they weren't um deliberate. They were they were side effects of of this experimentation and then having powers and all these things that are happening. And these people, multiple people are dealing with that on the show. And that's something that for the most part, Marvel has I think they they handle it pretty well over the along uh, the different media. Like Shield, I think handled that really mm-hmm. well when Coulson was resurrected. Like yeah. that was a big thing. Like how do you, how do you deal with this? It was something like this. And this is this is going to be interesting because there's other super powered people and the effects of, of these experiments on them. So again, I'm just getting started, but just kind of putting feelers out there. Like check it out and and let's check back in on on some of the stuff happening happening there. And uh, the the other thing I have is for the GT Book Club, which is um, a Patreon exclusive podcast community thing that we do on Patreon. For February, it was uh, the Runaways comic, the original graphic novel. And while I was reading it and preparing the material for the the audio episodes, um, the Parkland shooting happened. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I love the Runaways and the reason why I, I wanted to bring it up for for the for discussion is that to me the runaways is this really special book about disagreeing with your parents and about having these adults in your life who you who aren't good role models for you and literally like these these kids parents are supervillains they discover this and their reaction is to become superheroes and take them down and then save the world so when parkland happened it shook me like I'm sure it shook a lot of people for, for different reasons. But then when the kids started talking, right, when those teenagers started speaking mm-hmm. out, there's so many parallels to the runaways. Like there are quotes from the runaways where they're talking about how as teenagers, they always feel like adults are putting them down or like they're doing things to to hold them down and to, to not let them be who they are and to do things that are against their best interest. And then simultaneously, I'm hearing people these survivors talk about this and talk like that on on the news. It kind of messed me up, and I I completely like I fell behind on the on the on the on the book club, and so it's coming out later than it was supposed to. But I'll, I'll I'm gonna go into way more detail of kind of a discussion comparing those those two things um, on the book club. So this is kind of also a plug for the for the GT Patreon. But I still think that that uh, book of the Runaways is is very special for for that reason and. There are some other stories that are like that, like uh, the character of the spoiler in mm-hmm. in DC Comics is is very much like that to an extent, but that is this is just like the core of uh, 
these kids' lives, and and I love it for that. And so, if you haven't checked out Runaways, definitely, definitely do. And again, especially now, like it's it's incredible the the things that that they're saying in that comic. And that comic was published twelve years ago, I think. It'd be interesting. I still haven't read the the new the reboot. Um, and yeah. I want to compare that. Yeah. Since I not not super recently, but in the last like six months, I've read the old yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and along this, along the 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 way, they recruit other kids who are also like kids of supervillains and things like that. Um, so I, I have no idea what the new book is like because I think that some of the characters have died over the years, and and it's been a long time. So I know it's not the same exact team. I'm really curious if it's just Runaways in name only, or if that uh, core theme is still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's it for media matters. Media matters. Try do another one, and I'll pick the best one. <clears throat> Media matters. Pew 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 pew. <laughs> it works. It works. Some sound effects for you to use, as you yeah. as you will. <laughs> He's gonna save that for later. <laughs> I know, I know. Two ads in one episode, and and with so little time in between. What what are we thinking? <laughs> this one is for our Patreon membership. There's some new stuff on our Patreon, so we've got a few new tiers and goals, including starting production on a new show centered around big ideas in science fiction. It's a project I've been wanting to do for a while, and we're going to start production on that once we reach our next membership milestone. For as little as $1 a month, you'll gain access to the GT Book Club and other exclusive content. For March, the book club selection is a new documentary. For more information on that and everything else about our Patreon membership, go to patreon.com slash geektherapy. Okay, guys, how about we jump to the question queue? Question queue! So, what is the question queue, Ali? Question queue is a place (laughs) where people can submit their questions into a queue, or a lineup, if you will, Um, just by going to geektherapy.com slash the letters QQ. That's geektherapy.com slash QQ. Uh, If you submit your questions, we will answer them here on GT Radio. Thank you for using the form. Some of you are not using the form, but you ask us questions anyway, so then I add them to, to our list. <laughs> Regardless, ask us questions. <laughs> yeah, just ask the questions. Yeah, just ask it, ask away. So the first question comes from DJ Turbo Drac on Twitter, and he asks, what are the psychological effects of losing 10 consecutive matches of Dota? Because I'm feeling something and it's loud. <laughs> Lauren, how would you respond to, to DJ Turbo Drac? <laughs> Can you relate? I can because I have been there, uh, both in Dota and in Overwatch. Uh, two games I played online and was like, wow, I'm really not good at this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's tough. It's tough to because the, the reward for when you have a good game, that payout that that brain payout is so good. You feel so smart and fast and unstoppable when you win. And so it's like you will push through a lot, a lot of bad losing matches in order to get that that hit of winning. But um, sometimes you just got to take a break before your hands turn into claws. Also, there's a lot of uh, the frustration that can come from a game like Dota or League that comes from the other players. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but oh, definitely. Like, it's super toxic uh, at times. It can be, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, I, I, I forgot. 
actually, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. But there's this great, it's a, it's a blog post, something like the, the one post you need to read before playing Dota 2. And it kind of explains like, listen, this is what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> let's, let's have a serious talk. Okay. Like people on here are angry. This is the way to start. This is the way to play. These are the basic things you need to know. So people aren't yelling at you, but it's worth it. You know, like stick it out and uh, I'll, I'll look it up. It's uh, somewhere in my pocket. Yeah. And I mean, some of that stuff is just uh, frustration, right? Um, like if, if we're, if we're going with psychology, um, sometimes we there are things that we want things a certain way and they don't turn out the way we want. So we get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, Expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations um, of your teammates who may or may not even attempt to meet those expectations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's a game where you're playing 5v5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's not all up to you. I've, I usually play easy mode like whatever i can just give me easy mode and i don't usually play multiplayer of anything actually the only dota 2 matches i've ever played are the tutorial one where you kind of play against bots mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's pretty much how far i've gotten not because i don't want to play the regular thing but because i've i've never got five friends together because i i refuse to play with five people that i don't know yeah and there's definitely a total total difference between playing with strangers and playing with people you know or people you are actually communicating with in that yeah. moment and and so like that tutorial is there and you know like look look for people go on our discord and and you know find people there who maybe want to play that's kind of why why we have these community uh, areas set up hopefully everybody uh, you know the geek therapy community is is cool and <laughs> would it be nasty <laughs> during a game of Dota 2? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that is actually really good advice is to have people. To, I mean, they don't even have to be your friends, but uh, I don't, I'm, maybe there's not a system in place for this. But just pairing up with people that, you know, aren't total assholes so that at least <laughs> when your game is going poorly, you're not getting... Uh, smack talk from both the opposing team and your own teammates because there is nothing more demoralizing than than literally everybody blaming you for like you didn't do the thing and it's like um i'm not the only one on the team here and then everyone hates you yeah. So basically more games need like the guided games thing from Destiny mm-hmm. where there's yeah. like an That's agreement something. that you're going to be like not an asshole yeah, and I'm gonna help you out. Like I know you're new. Yeah. Let me let me let me sharpen you through this. It's gonna be yeah. It's that, gonna be all right. I mean, and that's maybe something to talk about in in multiplayer game design is designing systems that that promote pro social behaviors like that, where there are in game rewards for helping your team out in the form of wins. But sometimes that's not, <laughs> I guess, what's motivating some players. So uh, they would rather make everybody miserable than try and win. Though yeah. I guess I understand it. at a certain point in Dota games, you can tell where, where a game is going to end, and that can be frustrating in of itself. After an hour, you lose. <laughs> an hour-long match. Yeah. Lara, any thoughts on frustration tolerance here? Because, you know, he's talking about, like, it's, it's, it's loud. <laughs> he is, he's not happy after losing 10, 10 times. Um, I know you deal with this with your, with your clients all the time. I do. Um, 10 matches is a lot to lose <laughs> like in a row it would be it would be tough um i definitely i don't play dota so i don't know how intense it is i'm sure it's crazy intense uh, 10 hours he's been 10 losing, hours essentially <laughs> 10 hours in a row yeah i would feel you know i would feel really demoralized <laughs> like like i couldn't get anywhere but 
the only way it's going to get better is if you keep trying and keep losing and keep winning you know, and hopefully winning. That's not really good advice nope. or like, <laughs> uh, or a good, or a good outlook on it. But I guess 10 hours, man. <laughs> the, In a row. Match, yes. Matches are more like 40 minutes and, and they have like a quicker, a quick mode game yeah. now that's more like yeah. 25 minutes so it may not actually be 10 hours but it totally could be 10 hours um, uh, but yeah. but I mean the question is what are the psycho psychological effects it depends on the person and how they look at it I work with kids that their frustration tolerance is really low and so they probably after the second or third match would say fuck it but if you're getting to 10 matches and losing 10 matches in a row, I'd say your frustration tolerance is a little higher. Yeah, um, exactly. And so I mean. you're invested <laughs> in it and want to keep playing and win. Which is actually part of this game, right? And a lot of the people yes. that you're playing against have, have hundreds to thousands of hours of playtime, right? Like right, if, you, if right. you came up against a team that's really good, like you know, you're going to get your ass kicked. That's like, uh, unless you have an, an equally great team or you have a, a great play. Like if you watch professional level play, it's uh, incredible. But that's like yeah. that's a that's a good positive spin on it, and also like just because you lost Oda doesn't mean you're a loser. Doesn't no, mean you're horrible no. at life. Doesn't mean it doesn't say anything about you no. or anything else other than that you got your ass kicked in Dota. <laughs> right? Dota may not be your game, <laughs> but you're but you but you're invested in it and you want to play. I mean, Speaking Dota of- Two is a game inherently about perseverance. <laughs> See? Just building up resilience, just like yes. every every second. <laughs> I, I don't know what a Dota is, but it sounds pretty <laughs> stressful. Um, but what I what I advice I will give if um, if this individual is also looking for advice is um, there's a great little skill from DBT dialectical behavior therapy called distress tolerance, and it's called uh, well it's a type of distress tolerance. It's called distract with accepts. And uh, one of my favorite parts of that is if you're really dealing with a lot of frustration, um, getting another sensory experience can often be really helpful, like maybe just making a hot tea or maybe opening the freezer in your fridge and just sticking your head in there for a second or maybe just going for a walk and uh, experiencing the cool breeze uh, out there. That often helps me when uh, or helped me when I would play like a five hour long game of starcraft and then like just get destroyed and get really pissed off yeah ali has a good point i i do play some multiplayer games online but mostly single player all and i'll get frustrated i'll be stuck on this one part and can't get it i hate platforming but i love platformer games Mm. um and so i'll get stuck and not be able to do the thing and over and over and over and over and over and sometimes i've been stuck for like an hour on something and I'll be like, forget this and walk away. Maybe it even takes me a day and I'll come back to it. And then once I've had time to relax and had a fresh set of eyes and hands, mm-hmm. um, I'm able to, to get past that block. So that could, that could work too. Laura, I just experienced that recently I, uh, with my um, SNES classic. I was playing Donkey Kong and there's the mind uh, shaft level. And there's these series of jumps you have to do. And I got so frustrated with it. So, and it was, I was having flashbacks to when I got frustrated playing it when it originally came out. And then with the SNES Classic, you can save it and come back to it. And that's exactly what I did. And then I beat it. It was so much easier when I was disconnected from that frustration I experienced. 
For me, it was the end of the first God of War game when he's trying to climb out of hell or Hades. And I just kept dying and dying and dying. And then in that, you don't have like, I hadn't gotten to like a a checkpoint. So I had to start the whole thing over every time and watch a cutscene. And I at one point wanted to throw my controller through my TV. <laughs> There's nothing more frustrating than an unskippable cutscene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't break the TV. I didn't break my controller. And I did beat the game. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I mean this is these are these are games, there are skills involved. Again, something like Dota, having a good team will will or and, and gelling well with your team, having good communication will help you not lose. Um, building up your own skills that comes through practice, so you're going to have to lose along the way. It's just it's just something that's that's going to happen. Also, if it doesn't feel good to lose all the time, make sure you get some wins uh, every now and then, because otherwise, uh, that buildup of nothing but loss and frustration can can have its toll on you. Just quit. Don't play Dota anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not your game. Yeah, nobody is forcing you to play Dota Two. Nobody is forcing you to play any video game that is kicking your ass repeatedly, and you don't like the way it feels. But again, but if you want to, yep, there's ways. Like watch YouTube tutorials. Pretty damn resilient. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Actually, g- good job for sticking it out ten hours. <laughs> again, we're, we're all assuming that he sat for ten hours straight. He just had ten consecutive matches. This could have been over the course of two months, but we're, <laughs> we're all assuming that he sat there like a whole Saturday and just lost over and over again. Um, that would be what would happen if I play this Dota thing. Okay, here's another question. This one is from that one weird girl on Twitter, and she asks, "Any grumpy fandom interaction tips?" I think. Uh, Ali and I did a like a three hour episode of Geek Therapy a couple of years ago where we talked all about nerd rage and and dealing with with some of that online. Was that the longest episode ever of Geek Therapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and right. honestly, <laughs> I I go back to it. I don't think it's that great of an episode regarding nerd rage. It's more like here's Ali and Josue's first date. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's pretty much what it is. Um, but there's some good stuff in there. It's there's not worth there's the, some the great three hours. nuggets in yeah. that three hours. There's yeah, at least yeah. a solid seven minutes in there. Yeah, because you had just written a blog post about it. and um, I, I, Actually, ironically, uh, it was... The thing we talked the most about was the the internet's vitriolic reaction to Ben Affleck as Batman. (laughs) That's what sparked the conversation. (laughs) So is the question about grumpy fan interactions at like conventions? No, no, no. Just general. Just any grumpy fandom interaction tips. Like it's it's, like dealing uh, with people who are grumpy. I don't know, man. Like or being grumpy about fandom. Take a run with it. How however you 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 want. Since becoming friends with you guys, I've definitely started using uh, Don't Yuck My Yum as a way to be all like, hey, hey, you're getting kind of too mean. Please stop. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I keep, I it's become like a, a, a confirmation bias thing now. I hear it all the time, <laughs> like from strangers. I'm like, oh, you say that too? Nice. <laughs> I mean, there's, I got so many thoughts about this. And Pick one. Oh. I can't, Jose. That's why we had a three-hour. Finally, we're skipping you. We're skipping you. Okay, I'll say this. I'll say this is uh, 
I, I I'm a big believer also in don't yuck my yum. I also want to understand um, criticisms and and concerns that people have about uh, fandom. Like that's the thing about fandom is there's um, there's we all love this thing so much, whatever it is that we're a fan of, and so it naturally makes sense that um, we're gonna have very strong opinions about it. Uh, if it's an in-person thing and if it is a fandom event, I will say if you're having a hard time um, talking to someone, you can always leave and there are other people there who um, you can uh, talk to and will probably someone will kind of be uh, more on your uh, on your wavelength. And one of my favorite fandom hacks is to talk to people in line with you because they're probably also really excited to be seeing whatever it is that you're standing in line for. But what if they're grumpy? (laughs) Uh, Maybe they're just having a bad day. You know, there's this big thing um, in social psychology, the uh, fundamental attribution error and the self-serving bias. We might see someone as being grumpy and think that, like, they're a grumpy person. Um, But when it's ourselves we might be saying, oh, well, we're just having like a bad day or something bad happened to us. So, you know, maybe they're having, maybe they're grumpy. Maybe you can kind of talk to them about something else or maybe see if there's something you can do to help. And then if not, maybe just give them some space and come back later. So I've got a story. Right after (laughs) Batman v Superman, I was like, hey, let's record a reaction episode, Ali. And for an hour, (laughs) Ali shit on this movie that I loved and enjoyed so much. (laughs) And as soon as we finished recording, I just looked at him and said, I can't publish this. You know why? Because that is negative. That is nasty. You were like yelling into the microphone. It was not yelling. You you raised your voice so many times on that episode. He told me about this right after and was like, Lara, I need to talk to you about this movie because you like the movie, and so I need to feel better. <laughs> yeah, and so and so when I when I see when I see a, a question like this, like that's what I think about, right? It's like okay, so sometimes you love a thing, right? Like okay, so we we all gushed about Steven Universe last week, right? But I'm sure there have been moments where people were like, oh, like I can't believe that happened. That was stupid. Like I completely disagree. That happens in all fandoms, right? Where there's like a rupture mm-hmm. or right. the the creators make a decision and or like like Star Wars, for example, right? Like, hey, do you know what my safe space is? There's a Facebook group called the Star Wars Prequel Appreciation Society. I love that place. Okay. Sometimes I got to go there because people hate on the prequels and I enjoy the prequels. You know, I don't need people shitting on, on these things that I like. And like, yeah, I mean, like just turn around, walk away because you're not necessarily like the hardest thing you can do uh, in life is try to convince other people of something. Um, that's not like if you're coming into to a discussion uh, with that, I think you're going to end up grumpy, too. Yeah. One thing I want to that's a really great point, Josue. And one, one of the things I want to mention here is um, because of the way the Internet works and because we don't have eye contact online, it's a lot um, easier to have divisive conversations online. And one of the things that I've found is um, most of the conversations I have with people in person tend to be less intense and less grumpy than they are online. So sometimes it really is helpful to find, as you mentioned earlier, find your tribe online um, and so that you can have those interactions um, because it's it can be a really brutal place the internet and comment section and forums and stuff like that. I I also think it's important um, to, and it's tough when you really love something, 
you kind of like attach yourself to it. But them, another person shitting on something you like, it may not feel good, but it also doesn't mean they're shitting on you. Yeah, um, yeah. And and try to like they. I mean, Josue and I disagree on Force Awakens a lot, and I liked it. Uh, but we both love Star Wars. Um, and he, he didn't shit on it too bad with me, but, um, you know, I don't take it personally. Also, he's my friend, but, um. Also, my issues are with its effect on canon, not the movie itself. Exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, but when, but when someone shits on something, like, I will love a movie and then ride the high. And when I see it opening night and then my wife will sit and start talking about all the things that were wrong with it. And I'll be like, just let, please, just let me have this night. Um, and we can talk about those things later. But one of those things, like, in my head, I fall into the trap sometimes of she's attacking something I like. That means she's attacking me. And I have to remember, no, she loves me. She loves the things I love, mostly. So she just didn't like this thing about this movie. And I have to remember that she's not attacking me. I'm not a bad person for liking this thing. And I think that's that's the big takeaway is they're not necessarily attacking you. They just don't like X. Laura, thing. that is a great thing to remember just for like 2018 in general. When <laughs> we're having so many debates about such big issues and politics and all of that that like um your beliefs and your ideas and your passions and your aspirations, um, they're a big part of you. And if someone has different passions or ideas or beliefs, that doesn't necessarily mean they're attacking you. And we can't have these conversations without it becoming like a, a personal attack. It's hard, mm-hmm. but it can happen. I I do want to note if somebody is if you're using the word grumpy to describe somebody who's being a gatekeeping asshole like rail against that yeah, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's not a like oh you believe what you want to believe like no you don't get to say misogynistic or transphobic things about the new Doctor Who sorry I'm not gonna stand for that you could say I'm not gonna stand for it but like. Don't try to push it too much further than that because you're not going to convince them that they're that they're wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> now you're just especially causing... <laughs> especially from me since I've only seen like four episodes of Doctor Who ever. But yeah, don't. Are you don't... even a real fan? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a real fan. But I I also see people behaving really yeah. poorly towards mm-hmm. other people under the guise of like, oh, well, this is my thing and anything I don't like is bad and I'm going to be very mean to people uh, and sometimes show off how bigoted I am. So I'm going to take a roundabout way to to get to a point uh, with the story. Uh, The other day I was listening to a podcast about uh, a guy who came from uh, Mexico, trans man. He comes to Philadelphia to study and he discovered that he had no idea what the words... uh, uh, that there was such a thing as LGBT. He had no idea that trans was a thing. He couldn't define, he had no words to describe how he felt his entire life. That That's something that like we, we, we understand. And when I think now 2018, I think the, the word geek, geek culture, I think it's, it's overused. I think it's, um, you know, like played out. Uh, it's, it's too common. Um, 
But still, to me, that is something that when throughout my entire life, I felt a certain way and I never found a word to like describe the fact that like I was really into these things that I really liked. And when I when I was an adult, right, I'm in my 20s, I discovered this word and I'm like, wow, that like that describes me perfectly. Like this idea of a shared geek culture was something that meant a lot to me. And it's something that still means a lot to me. And I think sometimes it, it's easy for, for, for me to say like, like, it's just a movie. It's just a thing. Like, don't worry about it. But fandoms are so important to the fans and to some of them more than others that all this stuff that we're saying, like it can be, it can be, it can be hard to navigate because we're so emotionally invested in it. But, but again, reinforcing Lara's point, like it's not, I know it feels personal, but Mm -hmm. it's not personal. And I think we could have an argument about whether or not it is or isn't personal to an extent, but I'm not going to deny that it feels personal because of how important it is to you and how core it is to how you define uh, yourself at a particular moment. And it, it's complicated, <laughs> but I think, I think there was some, some good bits of wisdom here for, from everybody. I, I want to add that it's okay to like bad things. I think human beings are multifaceted and we all have like dark, not enjoyable parts of ourselves that we have to exist with and accept in each other. And I think part of that is also being like, hey, I know that this, you know, comic book is problematic or this TV show is really dumb, but I like it and that is okay. And I think Mm -hmm. if people took that stance of being like, it's bad, but you know what? I like it. I think everybody would feel a little bit more comfortable with themselves too. You can, you can really like something and criticize it. Oh God, my favorite criticism comes from a place of love. Yeah. Where you love a thing so much that you've identified every little weird flaw <laughs> within it because you spent so much time thinking and ruminating and holding it in your squishy brains. That's like a high level of love. Like I, I yeah. love Return of the Jedi and there that movie's got a lot of problems and I really don't like Ewoks and I love it at the same time. Like You both know what? Those don't things. yuck my yum, Ollie. I'm not yucking it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yucking it. I'm conti- I, I always try to make this point, um, and it, it's hard to express it, but if you say it's okay to like bad things, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. What I agree, what I, what, what I don't like is that when someone says, I like this bad thing that you think is good, it's like passive aggressive backhanded way of saying that what you like is bad. Not, I think it's bad. It's like, well, objectively, this thing that you that you really care about is bad. I just want you to know that. I just want you to know that, like, the acting is horrible or oh, that this and stuff is garbage. there's no objective. Garbage. There's, like, no... Well, well that's art. what I'm saying. It's all I'm art. saying. I'm saying, exactly. So that's why I push back on, on you guys and, and people in my entire life when it's like, well, you know, like... That's that's your opinion. Like you may think that, or maybe maybe you know, it, as objective as you want to be, that's that's your way of looking at it. And it's like I don't know, like coming up to somebody and being like, "Your hair is horrible, but I like it." It's like, wait a minute, you just told me, like you just told me I'm I'm ugly or like my hair it doesn't look good, but you like it. Like I don't feel good that you like hair that you think doesn't look good. Like, what what exactly are you trying to say? Like, I think it's very different than saying, you could have just said, I, I like your hair. <laughs> when I said, oh, other people don't like my hair. You know? Like, it, there's there's something in there, and it's hard for me to define, and it's hard for me to to talk about, because I feel like I sound like I'm taking it all personal when 
really, I just feel like, I feel like when people make comments like that, it feels like, again, like it's it's like a like a backhanded way of of criticizing or telling you that well you're wrong. I'm just saying that I like a bad thing. But it's like, well, I just told you I don't I don't. It's it's the objective way of saying it uh, that that bothers me, and I know bothers a lot of other people. And a lot of that comes from like kids, uh, working with kids for years and hearing the way that they that they see things, right? That they, it's like, oh, they like this girl said this about this thing, or this boy said this about this thing, or my mommy said this about this thing that I really like, and like it hurts. And I think we can we can choose different words that uh, just show that we're being subjective. It's complicated to talk about for me. Right, anyway. right. It, Everybody use I statements. Just use I statements. That's what I teach my kids. Yeah. <laughs> We've had this thing like going back and forth a few times. I mean, with Ali, like over the years, but with Lauren more recently, Lauren is my new friend. This is our new dynamic. And, <laughs> and like, I don't. He's I don't, very bossy. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't feel I'm not I don't feel personally attacked, like like Lara was saying. And I don't feel personally offended. I feel more like like you're picking on the medium or something like that. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm like, well, you know, like it it is what it is to to whoever. You don't have to we don't have to declare it a, a certain thing like if people people enjoy it. There there's also the whole other side of this which is um the the media whatever it is uh and how we might judge that. And then there's the impact that that's had on you. And that is just a com- completely subjective experience that you really can't deny you know if if there's something that um that really had a big impact on me and it has a massively low score on rotten tomatoes um but it had this huge impact on my life like it's had that big impact on my life and i might love it for that reason like um i uh when i was in college my my college roommates and i we started watching saved by the bell and revisiting it like decades after we had seen it as kids and we're like oh i don't remember the acting being like this <laughs> and oh, man, there's a there's a new funnier die series called Zach Morris is an asshole or something like that. And like, we just all the episodes and just, show. yeah, <laughs> I could totally see that. Um, so that can be true. Um, and at the same time, it was, it was made for a younger audience and it had a huge impact on me. And I made a lot of friends over, or I made one friend in particular over bonding about Saved by the Bell episodes. And so it's had that huge impact on my life, like regardless of what people who criticize TV and film might think about this. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. I've been in situations where I'm like, I feel like I need to say before I say a comment or if I say that I like something, I need to agree with the room that it's garbage before I can say something. But I don't I don't want to call this thing that I that I love garbage. I'm just doing it to like appease the the group at the time. And I don't know, like that doesn't that doesn't feel good to feel like you you need to put yourself there just to avoid getting grumpy fandom. Disorder, whatever. Good job bringing it back around. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. That was an epic question cue. Yeah. See, the more vague you make the question, the more it'll, it can go anywhere. <laughs> Be non specific. <laughs> Hopefully, we answered your actual question. Yeah. 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 Please. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Okay. Well, that's it. 
How, we we got into the question queue. Yeah. Yeah, we double dipped in the question queue. Yeah. <laughs> Time management. <laughs> okay, so let's wrap up with a quick geek therapy check-in. Anybody have some uh, geek therapy moments this week they, they want to share? I do. Um, uh, like I said earlier, I have had a really crappy week. Um, but I got permission to from my wife to watch something without her and i've been watching riverdale and it, ah. it is <laughs> it is the trashiest amazing what did we just say what were we just you know talking what? about no 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 she's no, no. right i she's love right. it i love it <laughs> it is it is i love it so much oh it's so it's so good i like it a lot too i, yeah. I, I like it a lot. yeah like yeah. it's it's what when my soap operas got canceled i had a void in my heart and the cw has filled it <laughs> yeah yeah right, cw um, cw going back to its roots <laughs> not yeah. all superhero stuff <laughs> and you know um it's very much not the archie that you know uh my coworker mentioned that her um she's been buying archie comics in the in the grocery store for her daughter for years her daughter's uh 13 now, no, 12 now um and they watched a little bit of Riverdale together. And she looked at her daughter and was like, she didn't realize that Riverdale was Archie. So she's like, I've been buying you these books. What have I been buying you since you were like five? <laughs> 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 she's like, no, mom, no, mom, no. It, it, it's more like just like school stuff. And like, it, it's not like this. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah. Like I say, it's trashy in the most loving way. I yeah, love it yeah, so yeah. much. Yeah. It's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to to finish the first season. Oh I, yeah, I blew yeah, yeah. through like six episodes yesterday. Oh yeah, that was my experience <laughs> too. Feel good, Riverdale, Riverdale, the feel good show. Uh-huh. <laughs> the feel good murder mystery. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Lauren, you got something? I played through the Dark Side Detective um, on the Switch. And it was really fun. It's a cool point-and-click adventure game. I, I recommend it. It's got fun music and really pretty pixel art style. And it's uh, it's pretty well written. It's got some, some good goofs, which are important to a point-and-click adventure game, I feel. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. It was good. It made <laughs> me feel good. I solved mysteries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ali, what you got? I don't know if I have anything. It's okay. You don't need to have one. Yeah. Above and beyond uh, Queer Eye making me cry tears of joy and happiness. That counts. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That counts. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with that. And also, okay, Lauren, you can probably relate to this, but their little interlude scenes when the Fab Five are dancing make me so happy and so so my wife and i kind of like take turns doing our own version just like walking by the tv to the music oh my gosh it makes me so happy (laughs) (laughs) well uh speaking of tears of joy um i cried some tears of joy this week there's a nintendo direct which is just like oh uh, yeah they make announcements um and then they, they just put out a video on youtube essentially and so it's it's a, it was a great direct, like just really good announcements, tons of games coming to the to the Switch. Like yes, yes, yes. And then at the end, they talk Take about Splatoon. Take all my money. <laughs> they talk about Splatoon two at the end for a while. Uh, Lauren, I really like this game. Um, we haven't played in a while. We There's a Splatfest this weekend. There is. It's chicken or the egg, right? Yep. I think is it. 
um, it's it's a lot of fun. And so at the end, they they talk a lot about this game, and they show like two characters from the game, and then they're all of a sudden the like the lights dim, and one of them is like scared because like wait a minute, everything got black all of a sudden, and then there's like a shining sun or something behind her. So she looks back, and it zooms into her eye, and then you see her eye uh, staring at something, and then coming into focus is the Smash Brothers logo, and I lost it. I lost it. I cried. Uh-huh. I cried every time I watched it afterwards. I watched reaction videos online. It was so, so good. Because, I see a lot of Smash Brothers in our future, Josue. Oh, I am so happy because that means Smash Brothers is coming to Switch. And um, for, for those of you who don't know what Smash Brothers is, it's Nintendo's fighting game where they just take characters from all of their games and other people's games and put them together. So it's the only time when you can have like Pac-Man fighting Sonic, fighting Mega Man, fighting at one point... Uh, um, Solid Snake from <laughs> Metal Gear Solid <laughs> fighting Mario and Dr. Mario and Toad and Yoshi and some Pokemon. And now we've got the Inklings from from Splatoon. Ooh, they showed that Breath of the Wild link. I am so excited. That was my geek therapy for the week. I am, <laughs> I am still on that Nintendo Direct high. I'm very happy. And I hope everybody else had a, had a, had a great week. Thank you for listening to GT Radio. For more episodes of GT Radio and everything else that Geek Therapy is doing, check out geektherapy.com. We are at Geek Therapy on Twitter, and Lara is at Geek Therapist. Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. Ali is at Ali Matu. I'll put a link to that old three hour episode that we did <laughs> if you want to check it out. Um, our first date it was lovely. <laughs> and I'm at Josue A. Cardona. And we'll be, we'll be back next week. You just listened to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month at our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash geektherapy.